Iguodala, and here it comes. He got it! The Warriors have won on a game-winning shot by Andre Iguodala! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. A spit screen. Hoji will defend. Oh! LeBron James with no record for human life! It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. And Saul says, hey, pass a big ticket. T.C. Martin. And here comes the Birdman. Flapping his wings and soaring for a sweet flush. When you're aerodynamically designed with that hairdo, you can do those kinds of things with that sweet mohawk. The doctor is now in. Uno, dos, tres. Ole. Ole. Ole it is on a wild Wednesday. Glad to have you with us. T.C. Martin Show, of course, streaming live wherever you may be at tcmartinshow.com. Wild Wednesday edition today. I got a feeling we're going to have some laughs today. Because not only do we have the comedian coming on, Dennis Gaxiola, but Paul Buck Power Stewart, I think, could double as a comedian. That's right. Our favorite Brit Limey, whatever you want to call him. Is a Limey and a Brit the same thing? I have no idea. Yeah, I, yeah. Why am I asking you? I don't know. There it is. But uh, I think Limeys are from Australia and Brits are from England. I have no idea. We'll talk Brits. We'll talk Brats. We'll get Paul Buck Power Stewart's thoughts on the game in Germany last weekend. We talked to TJ Reeves yesterday. We got that, you know, biased opinion from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter. Paul Buck Power Stewart over there in Europe did not go to the game in Germany. I'm going to ask him why, but that'll be fun, as it always is. I'm sure there'll be plenty of musical references and everything else that's going on. So Paul Buck Power Stewart will join us today. We'll talk to him regarding all things England, Europe, NFL, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, any whole lot more. Always a fun time uh, with him as well, too. And I mentioned Dennis Gaxiol, longtime, longtime Raiders season ticket holder when the Raiders were in Oakland. And he's made the trip here on a few occasions as his schedule allows it from, you know, touring as a comedian. But uh, I don't think he's been to a game here yet in Vegas. And now I'm just wondering his frustration level for Raider Nation. Wow, is he passionate. So uh, I don't know if we're going to be getting jokes cracked with uh, Dennis Gaxiola today or if we are going to be getting just, you know, frustration. As well, too. So we'll see all that. So, yeah, a lot of NFL uh, to talk about here on the program. But we start the show today talking about what we witnessed last night at the Thomas and Mack Center, UNLV, the Runner Rebels defeat, number 21 Dayton last night. Flyers came in here and started off like a house of fire, played exceptionally well. But UNLV played some great lockdown defense, specifically in the second half. And they defeated Dayton 60 to 52, uh, upset Dayton last night. And I say it's an upset just in the fact that UNLV was about a four and a half point underdog in this game. But you look at these two teams, um, very, very comparable to each other and, uh, very exciting last night, uh, that UNLV got the victory. Uh, first time beating a ranked opponent since December 21st, 2014. That was against Arizona. You know why I know that Dayton Umchuck? You know why? You were there. I was there. 
not only was I there, but that was the day, because I was currently living in Green Bay at that point in time. My daughter, as we know, people know, Julie Jules, Jules uh, had her audition for the SSA program that day, and she got admitted to UNLV on the spot. How are we going to go celebrate? Oh, we're going to go see the Rebels. We're going to go see the Rebels play number three ranked Arizona. And uh, fantastic game that night. And uh, the Rebels got the victory, as we know. And uh, that place was electric that night. And that at that point in time, Jewel says, that's it, Dad. I'm in that student section from now on. And, and, and she was. So, uh, yeah, a little, a little reminiscent of that. That's what it reminded me of. But anyway, uh, impressive performance last night. So we start the show off talking to our good friend, the head coach, who got the victory last night, Kevin Kruger. Kevin, what's going on, my man? Not too much. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. I am good. Congratulations again. And uh, you had to, you know, have a little celebratory, you know, I don't know, food, cocktail, something after the game. You were, you had to be feeling pretty good last night. You looked like you were feeling good. Oh, yeah. No, it's always a good feeling uh, to win home games, especially with that one with that much emotion and, uh, you know, against a really good Dayton team that you know, had a lot of experience. And, uh, you know, they'll definitely be playing in March. So, uh, a really good uh, win, a good effort by the guys. Impressive win last night, no question about it. What impressed you the most? What were you most happy about? I thought just that the guys made plays when they needed to. You know, there was a couple opportunities to uh, that they could have, you know, just kind of hovered in that, you know, down 11, down 8, down 10, down 8, down, you know, kind of back and forth, but just made some, made some big-time plays, got some big rebounds and some big stops, and uh, just kind of did what they needed to do to, to come out with the win. 12-point deficit. You guys were down, and you came battling back. And really, it was a tale of two halves. I mean, Dayton was using their size in the first half. They got a lot of buckets down low. I mean, had a tremendous size uh, advantage over you. But in the second half, you stifled them. I mean, they really looked rattled last night, especially in the second half. I'm curious, Kevin, what was said at halftime by you and what adjustments did you guys make as a coaching staff? Uh, I think, you know, we just really wanted to emphasize what the kind of what we had been working on. And uh, I thought the guys did a good job talking amongst themselves and kind of banding together and, and just, uh, just kind of executing more of what had been our DNA and our identity, you know, being more disruptive, uh, keeping the ball away from the rim and out of the paint. And uh, I thought uh, in the second half, we just had a little more consistency to it. But as much as anything, we were just we just got better shots. And, uh, you know, the ball moved really well offensively. And uh, anytime you do that, it's, uh, it's also going to help your defense out. And you're facing uh, a, a top 21 team and you know that they have size. How did you prep for them and how did you game plan for them leading up to this game? Because let's face it, I mean, this was your toughest opponent to date. Yeah, you know, one of the things with Dayton with their their size and their length is it's not really something you can simulate. Uh, you know, we have a pretty big and, and physical uh, team. Uh, you know, we've got good height across the board. We've got good strength across the board. But, they, you know, Dayton's right there up, uh, at the top of maybe one of, if not the biggest teams in the country. Uh, you know, they just they got a lot of tall people with a lot of length. So, you know, the 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 approach was just kind of trusting that what we were going over for the two days was what we were going to have to do um, going into the game. But uh, guys just made plays. They, they made plays for each other. They were excited for each other. And, you know, you, you got to do that if you expect to 
to beat a top 25 team. Yeah, the reason why I asked you about what was said or the adjustments at halftime, because, I mean, it was, you know, like I said, tale of two halves. I mean, Dayton, you know, they were getting a lot of, of buckets down low, uh, getting using their size, uh, you know, really concentrating on getting into the paint. They were cra- crashing the offensive glass. We saw the lobs, you know, you know, down low, and it just seemed like none of that was there for them in the second half. So obviously, you know, credit to you guys, uh, you know, for clamping down defensively. But to me, it just looked like they just totally got away from what they were having success doing in the first half. In the second half, it's like in the second half that they were just so frustrated and so flustered. And I was just curious, you know, what what was your take about that? Because again, I mean, th- their game plan was totally different in the second half. They were settling for long jumpers, uh, you know, they were fighting the shot clock. And again, I think a lot of that is, is credit to you and your defense. But what did you notice from them? Yeah, I think a lot of it just had to do with the activity on the ball. The ball pressure was really good. Um, guys were pushing the extending Dayton's offense out. Uh, away from the three-point line, which made a lot of those looks inside uh, more difficult. And, uh, you know, we just did a really good job on the ball. Guys uh, we didn't get beat, uh, didn't allow driving angles. And, uh, you know, when you don't require help uh, defensively, it's uh, it, you can kind of be – you can be a lot more solid. You can be a lot more stingy, and, and uh, that's what the guys did. Kevin Kruger joins us, head coach of UNLV and the Rebels. Very impressive win last night. The Thomas and Max 60-52 to over 21st rank Dayton. Again, it was the uh, the first time UNLV had beaten a ranked opponent since December 21st, 2014, when they defeated Arizona, the Thomas and Mack Center, when they were ranked number three in the country. Kevin, the crowd was a huge factor last night. And even though the, the numbers are going to say it was 5,700, it seemed like a lot more. It sounded a lot louder than 5,700 last night. How did it feel to you from where you were standing there on the sideline in front of your bench? It, well, it felt great. You know, it felt loud. The crowd was into it. Um, I think, uh, you know, the the Dayton fans that came up, and they were loud early, really really got our fan base going. And uh, I thought our fan base did a great job of, you know, letting them know that uh, we were going to be louder and we were going to be more vocal. And But uh, when, we were on, when we went on that run in the second half, uh, you could really hear it. You could really feel the energy from the crowd. You know, you're, you're right. There were Dayton fans that were there last night. I think that kind of surprised a lot of people. It even surprised me a little bit. I mean, it's not like, okay, that's Ohio State or that's Michigan or somebody like that. But, I mean, you know, Dayton's got a fine program, but they really did travel well last night. I don't know if that surprised you much. Um, not really. You know, you know, growing up, uh, you know, Dayton has a – a great fan base, you know, they, they sell out all their home games and, uh, they've got a great following and, and you combine that with Vegas, you know, you're going to get, you're going to have a handful of, of, uh, opposing fans. You know, any, every time we have a non-conference team come in here, we usually have, I think more than they usually travel with, right. you know, being Vegas. So, uh, no, it was about, I think what I expected personally. And, um, but I'm just really glad that once the game started, uh, you couldn't really hear them anymore, and you, you know, our our crowd just did such a good job of making noise. It was really a gritty, grimy type of a game too, and really not necessarily the running rebels last night. It was the physical rebels last night. Uh, how good do you feel about being suited? How suited is your team for that type of game? 
Well, here, especially early on, you know, I think that's, that's going to be the norm. But again, if you go across the landscape of college basketball, I think not only this year, but in years past, I think, and of course, I haven't looked, done the research, but it's just kind of a gut feeling. You know, the games between two, you know, two teams that are either going to be in the NCAA tournament, try to make the NCAA tournament, are normally going to come down to Slugfest. Yeah. And, uh, so, so having a group of guys and a team that is okay with that and almost prefers it, I think is a, it gives us a, a, a lot of hope and a, a good sense of security that if, if we're going to go out and compete like that defensively and that's going to be our baseline, then yeah, there's not going to be, there's going to be nights where our offense doesn't click. And, you know, on the nights that it does click, then uh, we're going to be all right. Very impressive on the defensive end of the court. Forced 24 turnovers. That is amazing against uh, a quality opponent like that. Why do you think you were able to frustrate them so much? I know you mentioned earlier about just pressure on the ball, but aside from that, anything else? Well, I think when you got guys like, you know, Keyshawn Gilbert, Luis Rodriguez, Eli Parquet, EJ Harkless, you know, that, that have experience being disruptive defensively and have years of, of playing, um, a kind of that defensive role of being the disruptor and, and disruptive. Um, I think when you put them all out there together, uh, they can do good things. Um, I thought, especially in the second half, the guys just did a really good job of playing off each other and letting their instincts kick in, um, not to overhelp or, or, or not to not help at all, but just kind of see where their teammates were and what they were doing on the ball and how they could make, uh, how they could just be annoying to what Dayton was trying to run. You know, we've talked about defense before, and we know that, you know, coming into this season, you really want to make that an emphasis. And we all know that's true that, you know, your, your offense basically starts with defense. It starts on the defensive end of the court. And, you know, that, that, that's a, a great way to, to transition into your offense when you have some lockdown defense. When you are recruiting, okay, how much of a emphasis are you putting on, okay, I want, these guys that can play D. I mean, scoring's fine and everything, but I really want some guys that can lock it down. And when you're recruiting players that that you want, do you sometimes maybe say, okay, I know this guy maybe isn't that big of a scorer. He might not come in here and, and, and average double figures, but man, this guy could be such a strong defensive presence for me that you may take a guy like that over a guy that maybe doesn't play that good a defense, but you know they could fill it up. Well, yeah, I think, you know, when we're looking at it, any time that guys have, have a reputation defensively, it definitely catches our eye. And, and I think we we got very fortunate in getting a group of guys that with just a little bit more of a expanded responsibility offensively that their offensive production could go up. And uh, as long as they hold on to that defensive mindset and that defensive DNA, uh, combined with just a little more responsibility offensively and a little more opportunity that uh, they can be really good players here. And I think we saw that last year with a handful of guys out of the portal. And then I think uh, we're seeing it right now so far this year with uh, the guys that have come in as well. Down 12 points last night. You guys battled back. And we got to the eight-minute mark in the second half. You guys took the lead for good. And then you held them without a field goal in the final six and a half minutes of the game. Give me your thoughts on how you were able to not only hold the lead, but what impressed me is that you were able to expand on that lead, and then you closed it out, and you closed it out in just some emphatic fashion that you know you did not even open the door and let them come back. Yeah, I think the the guys just you know they recognize that 
and I think they fed off the crowd and the momentum and and really just did a, a great job of taking Dayton out of what they were looking for and uh, and just making them dribble and making them uh, and just disrupting the timing and you know when they did that uh, you know it was, it was it was fun to watch and be a part of of you know good clean rebounds good help defense uh, being disruptive and because uh, as you know one of the things Vegas fans and and UNLV fans have loved forever is. Uh, is pressure defense and and they 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 understand what they're watching and they appreciate the hustle. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about your rotation right now and and how are the guys handling you know their minutes? Because we understand that you know early on in the season there's always kind of that give and take. You're kind of feeling out your way to see you know you know, which which guys are going to fit you know with each other. You're doing a lot of chemistry things and then you're you're seeing who can handle you know the the pressure of these early game situations. Talk a little bit about your rotation and how you guys are handling their minutes. Yeah, I think, you know, in the non-conference and with the foreign trip and the, and the closed door scrimmages, of course, you just, uh, you want to try rotations and you want to see, um, different lineups together. But, uh, you know, everything we do, I think we've got 13 guys that can play. I think we've got 13 guys that we're going to see throughout the season in different spots. Um, but, you know, as playing time goes, it's just one of those you kind of go with your gut and the momentum and the flow of the game. And, you know, that that group that was uh, guarding last night was doing a really good job. And so that was uh, the, the, what we just felt more com- most comfortable with uh, out there getting stops. And I think uh, the best part of it was I'm sure you've seen the celebration in the locker room. Um, you know, nobody, everybody was up. Everybody was jumping around and happy for each other. And, and that's what you want to see because uh, – you know, Friday night it could be a different person or two called on, and uh, that's what uh, that's what the good teams do. They've got supportive guys that support each other and root for each other. Because at the end of the day, all that matters is getting UNLV the win. You know, we talked. Uh, I think it was last week uh, about EJ Harkless before about you know what can fans expect to see out of him. And and last night uh, we saw him uh, be a big catalyst. Uh, again, kind of, I don't want to say taking over, but really uh, making a huge difference, especially in the final 10 minutes of this game last night. Talk a little bit uh, about him, and do you kind of feel that maybe, you know, for a guy who's still relatively new to the program, was that kind of a breakout game for him? Yeah, I think it was great to see, because, you know, we 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 know coming in, he's kind of the most established guy coming uh, on the roster, you know, having been um, uh, uh, every night, every day guy at Oklahoma last year and the year before. So uh, to have him uh, kind of shine in that opportunity is just really good for us going forward. Um, you know, he missed a lot of the, or all of the summer and part of the fall practices with uh, with coming back from his knee surgery. So you know, him having that that opportunity and going out there and and producing is uh, I just think it's really great for us as a whole. Uh, Kevin Kruger joins us talking Rebels victory last night over Dayton, sixty to fifty-two. Big win for the Rebels, three and zero right now. And again, defeating that ranked team was huge last night. Now you got a game coming up on Friday. It's against High Point. Uh, not taking anything away from High Point, but obviously they're not a top twenty-five team. They're not, uh, you know, a, a power five team or even a big-time mid-major team. How do you guard against any type of letdown from the guys? Well, that's going to be the, the challenge. Uh, I think, you know, you, High Point is not maybe as well known out here on the West Coast as some other names, but uh, a very good team, a very dangerous team. And, uh, that's one of the things we'll, we'll try to do over the next couple of days is just make sure that these guys understand that, uh, this is absolutely a team that can come in here and beat us if, uh, we're not ready. Just like, uh, we've seen across the country, you know, you've seen a lot of teams go, go places and win games that, 
maybe a lot of people don't think they should. And, uh, and that's what happens, uh, if, if you're not ready and, uh, and, or if we're not ready that they'll come in here and get one and we can't give, uh, the Dayton win back. And, uh, so that'll be our challenge for this group. And it's a great early challenge to have is just kind of see how we're going to react after a very emotional and, and, uh, exciting, uh, win on, uh, uh last night. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, fans can be fickle. Uh, you got, uh, some great boosters there, uh, at UNLV and have been, and they've hung with this program for a long, long time, even over the downtrodden, you know, seasons. But a win like this obviously can catapult, uh, not only your team, but can also, you know, kind of invigorate the crowd base, uh, as, as well, too. Uh, give me some thoughts on on moving forward on how last night's victory can you know increase attendance of the Thomas and Mack Center and, and how do you capitalize on that? Yeah, I think uh, you know we've been saying I think this is a team that that uh, is going to be fun to root for. You know, that's going to play really hard and. You know, when you've got a group of guys that compete the way they do on the defensive end, I think uh, it's just a situation where we just need people to come see them and people to come uh, watch them and see them live and, and have that experience. And I think, uh, you know, Rebel fans will come back to the Thomas and Mac pretty quickly or a second time, a third time, and for the rest of the year because uh, this group's going to compete. You know, these guys get after it pretty good. They enjoy playing defense. They enjoy playing for each other. So, uh we just got to do whatever we can to, to get more people to the Thomas and Mac because uh, uh, if we learned anything from last night, it's that the, how important the, the Thomas and Mac crowd can be. Yeah, absolutely. Again, fifty seven hundred in there last night. It really it had the sense of about nine or ten thousand as well. And we know that just the the dynamics there, that place can get really, really loud. And when you only have even five or six thousand in there. Final thing here for you, Kevin, is that you know I know that you, like I said, you focus on a high point, and you know it's always the next game up. You never want to get caught lo- looking ahead. But as you know, you and the staff, you've got a game plan for opponents. You know, looking ahead, how much have you looked ahead at the rest of this non-conference schedule? You got Southern Illinois, who's another very solid program, uh, coming in. Um, you guys got Hawaii, you got Washington State. We talked about USF. You know, you're going to play them again here. So you still got some challenging games looking ahead here. How much do you look ahead? Like say to, to games coming up here in the next few weeks? Um, I don't other than, uh, just the schedule about, Traveling, travel plans, practice times, uh, but other than that, we don't. We uh, one of the things we've said, even starting with the the first closed door scrimmage that we had, was uh, you know after each game we say it's one down, one to go, you know. And, and after last night, it was one down, one to go. You know, we've got to do. We can't focus on anything but high point. Um, but yeah, honestly, couldn't tell you past the of course high point and then the the SoCal challenge next week in LA. Um, I, I couldn't tell you who we're playing on what day. It's just uh, that that's how yeah, I'm really just, and it's not by design. It's just something I think you just get kind of, you know, yeah. engulfed in what you're doing and, and you just, the rest is kind of, you know, you cross that bridge when you get to a type of mentality. And that is the right way to approach it. I mean, cause that's what you're preaching to your players as well. I mean, again, you know, just one game at a time, you know, one practice at a time and that's what you have to do. So no, I, I think it's a great way to approach it. All right, my friend, uh, congratulations again. Great seeing you last night. Uh, great uh, being in that building. Uh, it was a very, uh, 
very, very um, fantastic crowd all the way around. And uh, the performance that you guys put forth, you know, 24 uh, turnovers that you forced last night. Uh, the defensive effort was uh, was really superb. So congratulations and uh, good luck on Friday. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. There he is, Kevin Kruger, the head coach at UNLV, coming off that uh, big win last night, 60-52. to 52 over the University of Dayton. And there were a lot of Dayton fans that were in the building last night. <laughs> they uh they traveled well. And like he's right, you know, when you mix in you're you're playing in Las Vegas, you're coming to Las Vegas, it's it's a vacation. And I saw some Dayton fans last night uh at uh, one of the hotels I stopped at, you know, after the game last night and they were like really dejected. <laughs> and I just said, "Hey, you know, sorry about tonight. Like, oh yeah, going back to Ohio. Yeah, you come to Vegas, and you know, maybe not getting the weather that you expect because we have a little bit of a cold spell, which is we're, we're down. You know, we're down about you know ten degrees from where we normally are at this uh, uh, time of year. And now you got to get back on a plane and go back to Ohio, where it's even colder. Yeah, not a good trip for those Dayton Flyer fans last night, but there were plenty of them. But. uh a shout out to the UNLV fans because they definitely showed out last night. Uh, they were big. Now we talk about the 5,700 in, in attendance last night felt like a, a whole lot more. And that was the same night that the Golden Knights were playing. Golden Knights were playing the San Jose Sharks last night. And we know that the Golden Knights near capacity every game. And especially when the Sharks come to town, whether the Sharks are good or not good it's you know you know people are here you know for that game and uh so they competed against the golden knights last night and unfortunately golden knights lose uh three to two unlv uh gets the win so considering that you are playing on the same night as vgk uh even more impressive but again you know i think fans are pretty smart too they know okay hey we're we're, we're playing a pretty good opponent we're playing a top 25 team which they did last night, and they got the victory. So hopefully that catapults fans to get back into the Thomas and Mac. And again, they're not going to be familiar with the names on the UNLV roster. I mean, this is a different time right now where with a chance for portal, I mean, you're not having guys that are here for, you know, forget, you know, three, four years. You're not having guys here more than one or two consecutive years because the transfer portal is, is is going crazy. So literally, you are recruiting a new team every season. And uh, Kevin Kruger can recruit, okay? He learned under his dad, Lon, who's one of the best recruiters of all time in college basketball, college basketball Hall of Famer. And uh, UNLV is in a good spot. And I said it when they hired Kevin Kruger. He, there is nothing wrong with hiring him because he has no head coaching experience uh, because he comes from that tree of his dad. He has some UNLV ties pl- playing here as a player for one year, uh, then assistant or T.G. Otzelberger. And uh, again, he, he knows how to recruit. Does he know how to coach? And with his own self-admittance, he said from you know very first time we 
had him on here going back, you know, two years ago. He was like, Hey, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn as I go. And he's got a great teacher in his dad. And I think you will start. And I, I even notice how Kevin is handling the timeouts better. He's handling his personnel better. He's handling the game management so much better. I mean, last year there were times and he even admitted to us that he said, yeah, I just, you know, I, I wasn't sure, you know, it's like, you know, stand up, sit down because this is an assistant coach. You know, you can't stand up, got to be sitting down, but he's getting more and more comfortable. And I really was watching him last night, uh, you know, just, you know, really in command of his team, you know, when to call the timeouts and everything and, and, you know, what to diagram and how to diagram, uh, you know, different sets out of timeouts. So congratulations to him. Very happy for him. And hopefully fans will get out of the Thomas and Mac and support this team. They're three and zero right now. And they just knocked off the number 21 team in the country, uh, the Dayton Flyers. So great job by him. All right. We come back. We talk a little NFL and who knows what else going across the pond. Our very good friend, Paul Buck Power Stewart, buckpower.com. The uh, NFL European voice and also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, guru, as I like to say, who continues to uh, write for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers despite being in England with his very fine website at buckpower.com. So all kinds of fun on tap with him. And then next hour, of course, uh, we'll talk a little more Raiders with Dennis Gaxiola a long-time Raider Nation season ticket holder and uh, one of the funniest men uh, on the planet as well, too. So we'll have some fun with him today. So we continue on here on this Wild Wednesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. All right, let me put some water on your balls. More from the master debater. See, Martin, you never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Never did I think that this song would appear on my show. I mean, I listened to it when I was a youngster, but as a rejoiner, absolutely not. Why are we playing this song? Because we had heard from our on-the-spot German correspondent T.J. Reeves yesterday on the program, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter, that they played this at the Buccaneers-Seahawks games in Munich, Germany on Sunday, which is crazy that they would play and everybody starts singing this song so uh yeah we got to get to the bottom of that and where do we go of course none other than europe but maybe a couple hours i have no idea southwest northeast who knows what i have no idea but where do we go to our good friend paul buckpower stewart in jolly old england buckpower.com country <laughs> Paul Stewart is waiting to join us here. It's okay. I guess I'll continue to listen to John Denver. How's the phone company working there in uh, in England right now? Ipswich or wherever he is. All right. Yes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played, as we know, in in Germany. Against the Seattle Seahawks. And you could definitely turn this music off anytime you want. 
I don't need to be hearing this anymore. I guess it's not really that bad of a song, though, is it? I have no idea. All right. Join us now from jolly old England. He can tell us a thing or two about the NFL in Europe. Paul Buck Power Stewart. What is up, my man? A very good afternoon to you, TC. Good afternoon, everybody in Vegas. Yes, I think I'm as bad as sick as John Denver as the rest of the world is right now. <laughs> so explain this to me. TJ Reeves is saying that they're playing this song and the fans are actually singing this song like this is like the Neil Diamond of uh, of sports in Europe, uh, I guess, let alone Germany. Do you know anything about this? Okay, so what it is, TC, is this started back in the 90s, in the early days of NFL Europe with the Frankfurt Galaxy and the Rhine Fire. And there were three or four different songs they would play. There was a song by DJ Otzi called Hey Baby, where the crowd would all go, ooh, ah. And that's how it started. DJ Otzi. Paul, hold on. Paul Bugpower Stewart just gave us, one more time, give us a ooh, ah again from DJ Otzi. If the song goes something like, hey, baby, and all the crowd goes, ooh, ah. And I'm, we're not doing any more of this. I'm not embarrassing wait, wait, myself wait. anymore. Well, well hold on. Is, so not to be confused with which we talked about with Steve Sachs the other day, Beach Baby by First Class, correct? Oh, I remember that song. That's a great tune. There you go, but, right? So this thing started with, with the fans getting involved in singing, and they would play Sweet Caroline. Right. And John Denver, the, the you know, Take Me Home started. Well, the best story about this is there was another song that used to always get played at NFL Europe games. And there was a band in England in the 1970s called Smokey, and they had a hit with Living Next Door to Alice. (laughs) Now, what would happen is after they would sing Living Next Door to Alice, all the crowd would chant, ooh, ah, who the bleep bleep is Alice and it became a sort of cult thing to do and it got to the point where we were covering an NFL Europe games on British TV we had to turn the field mics down because you could hear 30,000 people singing the swear words so when it came to the game on Sunday all the real NFL journalists in Europe were just praying they were going to play this the NFL had been pre-warned about it so they didn't do it otherwise you could have had 60,000 people singing something far worse now here's what I understand this is Smokey and living next door to Alice how in the world is this who wants to hear this in an NFL football game I mean, it's, it's this guy looks like a young Barry Manilow or maybe a young I guess Barry Gibb or uh, or an Andy Gibb he looked more like an Andy Gibb and uh, I guess one of the lead singers of Smokey. But honestly, Paul Stewart, how does this get played in an NFL game? I mean, there's nothing that's like, you know, we will rock you about this. This makes no sense. What's wrong with you people over there? Well, hang on, hang on. Aren't you the nation who started playing Rick Astley songs in New York Mets Stadium a few years ago? But that's like, you know, that's a beat, man. That's like 135 beats a minute. You know what I'm saying? This Smokey song? You know, Alice? And here's the thing. I understand there's two versions to this about who in the F is Alice. I get that. But how did that even... Where? Who started that? Because when you listen to this song, I mean, are they making fun of the song? Like, okay, who in the F is Alice? No, I think it. I think it originally, from what I read about, it started with people doing it at their concerts in the late seventies, right, right. 
And then for whatever reason, you know, some random stadium announcer played the song at a Frankfurt Galaxy game and that was it. And it became sort of part of the, the NFL Europe culture. Now, of course, NFL Europe, it was more successful in Germany than the other countries. It, it didn't work in England and Scotland simply because <laughs> the, the British fans over here, we were so knowledgeable about the NFL. We knew NFL Europe wasn't going to, you know, these were practice squad players and backups. The Germans very much accepted, who cares? It's football we're going to enjoy and they really bought into the whole thing which was why you know this game was always going to be a massive success and it's just a shame it took so long for the NFL to put a game there so Numchuk, do you think you can get the other version the con- the the live version of of uh living next door to Alice are you quick enough to bleep out the no the F part no <laughs> Because we all know what it says. But it's different because I heard both versions. And I'm going, well, that's kind of a, a more raucous version. Maybe because it was a live version or whatever. But yeah, you're right. That that crowd really got into it. And uh, they, they had to be careful, like Paul said, you know, playing that, uh, you know, the stadium there. But but here's still yeah, that, that opening, man. The, the, uh, this opening 40 seconds. It's just like really. Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you got the right version because the the version that I remember hearing is is the live version. So, all right, I, I don't think I want to get there. We, we can just tell everyone in Vegas now needs to go and search this on YouTube, and they're all going to be singing it now for the rest of the week. Everyone's going to be walking around singing it. You could have it at the next Running Rebels game. You could be singing it that version of the game. You know, when they try and go to four and zero, oh. it it, it kind of is a little little catchy chorus. I will say this. Here we go. Here it comes again. I agree. Who is Alice? Who cares about Alice? <laughs> All right, Paul. There it is. Uh, who knew? I would have never known that that would have been played at a uh, stadium there in in England. Who knows, man? Unbelievable. Well, it's, like, it's more of a German thing than an English thing. So I that mean, was English a German thing. Okay, well. okay, okay. So let me ask you this. And I asked TJ this question, too. I don't think he he knew the answer. Because, again, this is your territory, all right? Are there differences in the atmosphere in games between these European countries for NFL games? I mean, even the differences between England and Germany. You know, the atmosphere, the crowd itself their reactions, how do they respond? And then, of course, you know, you, you go to Buccaneer games, you know, here in Tampa in the States. Uh, what, what are the biggest differences? Uh, and again, let's throw in Germany since we just had a game there on Sunday. Well, I'm going to call TJ out here because I heard that yesterday he apparently said that the British fans were not as knowledgeable as the German ones. And I'm going to take real <laughs> offence to that. And I'm going to have words with Mr. Rees about this because the, the reason is, TC, and I know we spoke about this before, is the British and the German fans, they are all there to celebrate NFL football. They're not there to support one team. There's no home field advantage. So you're cheering for every big play, whether it's a run, a pass, a sack, an interception, even a punt and a punt return. The, you know, Whereas the American fans will only cheer for their own plays, 
you know, their home team players, the, the European fans cheer for any play. And that's the difference. The only difference was is yet the Sunday's atmosphere in Munich was very similar to the first NFL International Series game at Wembley in 2007 when the Giants played the Dolphins. And it was exactly the same. The crowd were really into it. Now, over the years, the British fans have become, I wouldn't say, you know, less excited, but it's like, hey, we've done this right, times right. before. This was a new thing for the German fans. So they went completely over the top. I've never seen anyone get excited over a PAT before, Paul. An extra point. They go crazy, I guess, because, again, you kick the ball, even though it's only from 20 yards. They get very excited because they like kicking. Well, I've heard the Raider fans do that because it means the Raiders have scored a touchdown, which is a pretty rare thing these days. <laughs> this is true, my friend. Oh, my goodness. All right, so we've taught music at these games. We've taught the differences. Uh, games in Europe. Um, how about some of the glaring differences from from the crowd, of the tailgate? I mean, you come and you partake in the tailgate at, at, uh, at Buccaneer you know, home games there in, in Tampa, uh, do the Germans do that as well too? And uh, do the English fans? I mean, do they really get involved in in, in tailgating, or is that just nah, not not so much of a thing? Well, it's, a, it's difficult in, in games in London, TC, because neither Wembley or Tottenham have got any kind of real car parking around the stadium. You really get there by public transport. So there's nowhere to hold a tailgate at either of those games. And it's the same with where they have your Lions Stadium in Munich. So there wasn't really the opportunity for people to drive in and have tailgates like you do in every game. Do you know like you do in Green Bay? It's a massive thing. You know, it's a whole day experience to go in, tailgate, and then watch the Packers lose. It's part of the experience of being in Wisconsin. <laughs> so it, it's not really something that's ever going to translate over here. But what you did have was everyone in the stadium an hour before the game started. You know, whereas people drift in and half 20 minutes before they're still filing into their seats – Alliance on Sunday, everybody was there an hour before because it was a huge experience and they wanted to save every moment. And it's the same as, as 20 minutes after the game had finished, they were still in the stadium singing. Again, that would not happen anywhere in America. All those people were there, Paul Stewart, but you know who wasn't there? You weren't there. Why weren't you there? I don't understand. This is an NFL game. It's in Germany. I mean, take your Eurorail pass or whatever. I mean, what is the reason that you did not go to this game? I mean, it's like me, say, if uh, games uh, a huge game comes once in a lifetime, or let's say that's that musical artist, that bucket list, they're coming down to L.A. or San Diego. I'm going to go. Why were you not in Munich? Oh, there, there were other reasons why I couldn't go last weekend. But, I mean, I know you probably needed me to be there. Yes. Because I've heard that uh, TJ let you down by oh. not getting you a, a German soccer jersey. But TJ did say to me earlier that it wouldn't be right if you weren't asking something for free or complaining about something <laughs> not being supplied for free for you. Wait a minute now. I mean, this guy, as you well know, and you're wearing probably a, a George Steinbrenner High School shirt yourself today. All right, you guys in your T-shirts, you know the piss-poor gifts that T.J. Reeves gives us with his T-shirts. I mean, he comes here, he always wants to give, 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 give. So the one time I say, hey, there's actually something that I would really appreciate you getting for me, and you don't have to pay for it. I'll pay for it myself. You are going to be there. You're at the hub, Bayern Munich, the best team in all of the Bundesliga, German national team, the fans, the capital. I mean, how can you, I just asked for a, a simple request. You're there. 
Get me a jersey. Give me the new World Cup jersey. We're two weeks away from this. That's all I'm saying, Paul. It should have been a slam dunk. It'd be asking like me to bring somebody back, uh, you know, a, a, a Freddy's uh, burger or a a, a, a Freddy's uh, shake or something like that. It would be so simple for TJ Reeves to do, and he drops the ball. I mean, Numchuck found a jersey on Amazon in 22 seconds. TJ Reeves is right there, and he can't get it, and he's making excuses? There, There is no excuse. What, what, what can I say, TC? I mean, if you want you know, real Buccaneer information and, and the facts and all the real details and people to rely on, you come to this side of the pond, not to somewhere in Lutz in Florida. There you go. <laughs> I <laughs> right, use some of that huge amount of money you won on on the Astros winning the World Series. I've heard you uh, you won thousands, didn't you? Oh, yes, but I, the thing about it is, I'm willing to pay for my jersey. It's no problem. But <laughs> but here's where I'm going. Here's the deal. I can, and they did. Thank you very much, Westgate Superbook. Um, here's the thing. I'm one of these guys that like. Okay, I'm really not into the whole mail order bride stuff or you know the you know the the mail you know getting stuff uh amazon with these shirts or whatever i like the experience of getting something authentic from the park just like my astros you know world world championship you know hat and 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 shirt boom i got it right there okay uh same thing i go to germany i would love to be able to get the jersey from there and when i have someone who is there Right there in in the in the hot spot, so to speak. Uh, I think it's a fair request. That that's all I'm saying, Paul. I mean, plain and simple. I'm will I'm willing to pay for it, but uh, I would just think that that would be a, a a simple thing to do. Well, I'll make you a promise now. When England win the World Cup in about four <laughs> weeks' time, I will buy you a England winners jersey and send it over to you. Uh, make sure you get Nunchuck's size on that because he's the one that's going to be wearing it, not me. <laughs> so, yes, we have the World Cup starting. But don't forget, of course, England also won the World Cup last Sunday. I'm sure you were following oh, that. The, the, the breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The World Cup is two weeks away. But Paul Stewart is saying, yes, that England already won a World Cup. That's true. In cricket. In cricket. Hot. Correct. Then now, is that is that a big deal back there? It's a very big deal. So um, it's a it's a shorter version of cricket where you only have a limited number of time to score, you know, as many runs as you can. And England beat Pakistan in the final. The big event was beating India in the semi final. Now, in- India scored a pretty good total, one hundred and sixty nine. All I will tell you is that England scored 170 runs and didn't make a single out. Do you think the Indians could use a bullpen? <laughs> something. A uh, bullpen, defense, something. I mean, do they play defense in cricket? Is, is that such a thing? Yes, there is. Yeah, there is. It's like defense in baseball. It's how you do it. So, yes, although we're coming in for the Soccer World Cup, England already have a Cricket World Cup you know, in, in the in the trophy cabinet, and it all starts this Sunday in Qatar. Wait, how did Zimbabwe do? I mean, I mean, Zimbabwe has a cricket team, right? I don't think they have a, a soccer yes, team. Yes, they did. They got yeah, they got through the qualifying rounds, and they finished, I think, fifth out of sixth in their group. There some were two of the, groups of six countries. They did pretty well to get to where they did. Some of these nations that were in the in the cricket finals, and this was in Australia too, right? Correct. Yeah, and Australia did not make the semi-finals, wow. which was great for everyone in England. <laughs> of course, of course. All right, World Cup preview, my friend. Uh, what's the excitement level back there, and uh, what is your gut feeling? Now we know that England is in Group B. 
England, Iran, Wales, and Team USA in group number B, my friend. So I don't know. Handicap it. What do you think here? Okay, well, this is something now. This is where this is something new and, and rare for you, for you Americans, because you're now going to be supporting your country. So, whereas you go and support your Raiders or your Golden Knights or you know whatever sport you follow your team, suddenly you're all coming together and you're all rooting for Team USA, which is different. Now, I think most of the games will take place in the morning American time. You you open up with a game against Wales. Now, this is the first time Wales have reached the World Cup final since. 1958, you will be favoured in that game. But what you tend to find in the first round of group matches is everyone plays not to lose. It's very, very cagey, very defensive. You know, like the first two or three rounds of boxing match where boxers are trying to sort of feel each other out. So England play Iran in their game. England should win that pretty comfortably. And to be honest, most people expect England and America to progress out of that group. But you never know what's going to happen. All I can say is the bragging rights when England played the USA, that could be quite something between you and me, my friend. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'll be, uh, I'll be looking forward to Group E, my friend, okay? Because you know who's in Group E. I mean, we've got my Germans against Spain. you got Costa Rica and Japan. So hopefully the Germans can get out. And I know this is, the, the Germans are not really expected to do that much here uh again just not the star power they've had in world cups past but i want to talk to you about just the whole atmosphere here paul because we've been waiting for this every four years but how maybe subdued is this or how much how many question marks are there because this world cup is in qatar most americans don't even know where qatar is what it is cutter but if anybody's followed like the political landscape here, you know that that is a very dangerous region. It's a dangerous country. They bought their way into hosting this World Cup. They really, I really have no business. I don't know if there's going to be any tourism whatsoever. We know that the the government there in Qatar has been offering to pay for people to come there to buy their airfares and tickets to games, all that stuff. Uh, and again, it's just uh, it's. It's a country that just is, you know, really, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just uh, not in a good light for people. Uh, how are you guys viewing this World Cup over in that country? To be honest, it is absolutely disgusting the World Cup is being held in go. a country like this. There you go. I mean, straight away... You know, the World Cup is usually held in the summer, you know, at the end of most countries' seasons. And, and you know, that's always been the case. And suddenly, this, you know, it should never have gone there. It was completely bribery and corruption with the head of FIFA, Seb Blatter, just taking a whole load of backhanders and going, that'll do, we'll have the World Cup in Qatar. Everyone's been complaining about it for years, but here we are having the World Cup there. Yes, you're right. Many fans can't travel because, there's, you know, you, you get a step out of line there and you're not coming back again, you know. And it, it's crazy it should be held there. The, the conditions are going to be too hot. It, it's a joke. And, you know, the amount of pretty much like slave labor that's been used to build these stadiums, it's wrong. And it is everything that is wrong in sport that the World Cup is being held there. And, yes, it, it's going to cast a huge shadow over the whole event, TC. You're absolutely right. And I'm not. I'm going to stand on my soapbox and shout about it being wrong till till the day this finishes. I agree with you. And, and a lot of Americans, I mean, really don't care about it. And, and I don't think they're really aware of uh, the situation. You mentioned the slave labor. And 
you know, HBO Real Sports had done a couple great reports going back over the last couple of years in preparation for this and, and, and showed, uh, workers who were, were basically, you know, coming back, sent back, uh, home to neighboring countries in pine boxes. I mean, it's just downright disgusting. And I remember, you know, seeing the story and following it about, you know, how they got this as well too and the bribes that, that took place. And, uh, you know, that, that Hammenager who was in charge of, uh, FIFA, uh, what Seth Blatter, I mean, he's, Seth yeah, no, he's, he's, he's out now, but, and now he's finally coming out last week and saying, yes, it was totally wrong. Well, it's, yeah, this is a travesty. I, I, I agree with you. And I just, and I'm just wondering now if we talk about the quality of play, you know, I mean, no one is, you know, they don't go to Qatar to play friendlies. You know, I mean, no one, I believe, has probably ever gone over there, period. You mentioned the heat in November. Uh, you know, we, we can't even really fathom that, but that, that is true. I mean, who knows what the conditions are going to be like? How much of an effect will just the environment have on teams? Huge, because everyone will play very slowly. You know, it'll be slow, boring build-up stuff. Now, I mean, I'm thinking back to some... I mean, I'm not no massive soccer fan, as you know, because I prefer the sports on your side of the Atlantic. But the best World Cups have been the ones that have been held in countries that are absolute hotbeds of football. Italian 90 was an incredible World Cup. You know, the French World Cup in 98 was absolutely fantastic. You know, the one in South Africa, if one remembers, for those damn Venezuelan things they were blowing... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was it. But but it was awful in terms of the atmosphere. It was awful because the South Africans really didn't buy into the game. So you need to take it to a country, you know, Italy, Germany, France, England. You know where the people, you know, Argentina, Mexico, Brazil. You go to these countries where it's a real hotbed of football, not to complete sterile environments. It would be like taking the World Series and instead of having the rabid fans you had in Houston, Philadelphia, and playing it on the moon it's going to be that kind of equivalent atmosphere and it's such a shame that the biggest sporting event in the world which is what the soccer world cup is is being treated like this and unfortunately money has talked now this happened in the olympics go back in the 80s and 90s one samaranch who used to run the olympic federation he was an even bigger crook than Seb blatter was and he's dead now so he can't sue me but you know and blatter learned from him and was as corrupt as he was and it you know and i saw that quote where he said well yeah we shouldn't have really gone there yeah well, that's because you've got a palace built from the money you were given yeah well but paul we appreciate the time as uh, always my friend let's uh talk to you uh, much more frequently here with the uh, World Cup because we'll be following it uh, from sea to shiny sea. My- Sounds good to me, my friends. As I say, go go Team USA, beat Wales, beat Iran, <laughs> but I hope England stuff you. We, we owe you one for the Boston Tea Party. Oh, no. It's just not. It's just wrong. Alright, enjoy yourself, my friend. Bucks have a, a bye week. Uh, they get ready for Cleveland next week. So we'll see you. Paul, appreciate I'll it, brother. Thank you. All right. Okay, guys. Paul Buck Power Stewart. Always fun with him. Come on, people. World Cup. Come together. He said, I know you. You know me. One thing I can tell you is you got to be free. Come together. Right now. Over me. The only thing matters is a win. That's it. However, whatever, whatever it takes. Let's go, man. Let's win on three. One, two, three. Live. 319.
in the entertainment capital of the world. Vikings blitz. Manning got it off the rare deep throw, and maybe that's why they don't do it. Intercepted by Xavier Rhodes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. They're not used to this damn heat. They're over there trying to set up damn pits over there on the sideline. Hey, it's a ride. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Okay, well, I ain't going to worry about you no more. 300 yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> It's so sweet when you walk off the field knowing you gave everything you got. Team win tonight. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 Hour number two. Crack it away here. All right. Hour number one. Paul Buckpower Stewart joined us. Kevin Kruger. Go check all that out on the website at tcmartinshow.com. This hour, Raiders. Talk more, Raiders. Feels like a terrible Tuesday. It's got plenty of that. Manic Monday, right? People still, I don't want to say seething, but not happy about those Raiders. Those Raider haters out there, they're in the field day, aren't they? All right, our next guest, he has something to say. He always has something to say. It's usually pretty funny, too. Our comedian extraordinaire, Dennis Gaxiola. Not only the comedian extraordinaire, but lifelong Raiders fan, Raiders season ticket holder. And yes, Mr. Silver and Black, Mr. Oakland Bay Area. But yes, he he sucked it up. He's come over here. He's come over here to Vegas, to Legion Stadium for games. But I don't know if he's planning on coming to any more games. After the product that we have seen on the field from the two and seven Las Vegas Raiders, Dennis Gaxiola, what is up, my man? Bro, <laughs> I'm exhausted, man. Al, da- uh, Al Davis is rolling over in his grave. Mark Davis, the f- he's the Fredo Corleone of NFL owners. He sold his soul to the devil to get the stadium, and yes, we needed the stadium, but. The fan base has no guts right now in Vegas. Half the tickets go to the enemy. Um, Mark Davis doesn't know what he's doing. And Josh McDaniels is a lieutenant. He's not a general. There's 32 generals in the NFL. He's not one of them. He's a lieutenant. (laughs) At what point in time did you uh, come to realize that? Um, when they hired him, I was like, there, this is bad. There you, go. there you go. Okay. This is bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, leader, you know, I, I'm a 20 year military veteran. Yep. We know leaders in Vietnam. We would send Josh out in front and shoot him because he would get too many people killed and he's doing it to the Raiders <laughs> right now. We would frag. It's a term called frag. We would friendly fire that dude. And, and Mark Davis is so Hard-headed, he's not going to fire him. Would you issue a code red? That's what I want to know. Would you oh. issue a code red, Dennis Gaxiola? Mark Davis looks like he had a code red by the barber. I mean, oh, this is ridiculous. No, no, no. <laughs> who cut his hair, bro? In the words of Cheech and Chop, who cut your hair? <laughs> I say code red, and, and Nunchucks play like something out of a prison escape or something like that. Where's a few good men? You know, Code Red. That's where I'm going with that. You didn't. Get, did you didn't understand that. 
<laughs> how did we go from a veteran playoff team to arguably the worst team in the NFL and without a doubt, the most disappointing team in the NFL? That comes from leadership. That's lack of leadership. <laughs> it's sickening what's happened to the Raider Nation right now. This we gets you we deserve better, T.C. Martin. I was going to say, tell me how you're really feeling. How are you really feeling about this season? And, and you know me, bro. You know I'm a Raiders apologist. Yes, you are. Oh. You are. That's why I'm kind of <laughs> loving this right now. I'm really loving this because it's always, oh, I see the glass half full. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Hey, we're, we're going to come back and win four, five, six in a row. Yeah, no problem. I'm not hearing any of that from Mr. Silver and Block right now. Oh, no. You know, I'm... How do you go? You got a veteran quarterback. You got a stud wide receiver. You've got, um, oh, they forgot to build the line. Oh, that, that, you know, who needs an offensive line when you have all the talent or skill position? It's so, it's just so, it's, it's basics. I have no doubt in my mind I could run that team better. You could run that team better. Your beautiful wife, Gina, could run that team better than what Mark Davis is doing right now. <laughs> So I know, and you just kind of alluded to it, that you are the eternal optimist, all right? Yeah. But honestly, let's go back. What did you really expect this season? What did you really expect? Coming off what we did last year, I thought we were going to make a deep playoff run. I thought, you know, we added the receiver, we got the tight end, we got the slot receiver, um, we've got uh, an elite running back. Um, we added to the defense. We added a, a legit number one cornerback. I mean, I thought we did things, that we were doing things the right way. But in the end, Mayock's incompetence, um, all the draft capital that we had that would have set us up for a dynasty-level run was wasted. Mm-hmm. And we, the team is gutted. We're back to square one. We're back to the right there, the post Jamarcus Russell era right now. We are right back to that where we have to rebuild the team. And it's funny you say that, Jamarcus Russell, the, just the, the joke of all jokes. And we knew, at least I knew, coming out of LSU, this guy was not going to be a quality quarterback. But that f- seems weird for you to say that because – this is Derek Carr, nine-year veteran. You got Devontae Adams, kind of the missing piece to the puzzle. And you got Josh Jacobs. But it is all kind of strange because Josh Jacobs comes in really like, how's he really feeling about him, uh, his his situation, knowing that they said, well, we're not going to extend you. We'll talk about it after the season. So he's a lame duck running back. Then you got Darren Waller. He hasn't seen the field. Hunter Renfro hasn't seen the field. Now you're not going to see these guys until at least the Rams game. Heck, at this point, they might not even come back. We've seen that before. Okay, what's the point of even coming back? Let's just rest up. These guys aren't healthy. And it's just, it just seems very strange that personnel wise that you are comparing this to those Raider teams of, of 10, 15 years ago. They really didn't have the talent. This team seems to have the talent, but not really on both sides of the ball. Well, what they don't have right now is heart, and heart yep. comes from leadership. You see, you see Derek, who is the ultimate team player, you see him rolling his eyes at Josh McDaniels. Josh is the problem. The team already 
half a season, they do not respect him. He is not a leader of men. Football is the ultimate man game. And it's all about machismo. It's all about alpha male. He's not an alpha male. Josh, nobody respects him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the that's the core of the problem. How do you blow three leads of seventeen points or more? Historically, we did that five times in fifty years. We've done it three times this season. That is leadership. You and I are saying a- you're saying you and I are saying the same thing again. You know, we know that okay, he can get credit for X's and O's all he wants, but the bottom line is. You know, where is uh, the leadership? You know, when a team is going bad, I mean, it is the head coach that needs to step up and either command that, uh, that locker room. If you, if you haven't already, which is weird, you should command that locker room right away. But it just seemed like when he came in here, it's like, okay, here's our practice plan. Here's what we're doing. This is it. Okay. This is our offense, all this other kind of thing. But then, then you get into game situations. Then it comes time to, you know, uh, to, to make these crucial play calls and you're supposed to be a fantastic play caller. Okay. We're not even seeing that. And then when things go south and you see some adversity, it's like, okay, he's not stepping up and really handling it. He's just being, you know, kind of this, this vanilla, you know, vanilla company guy here. And it just seems very, very strange, but this is the nature, Dennis, of the modern day, not only the NFL coach, but we see it in major league baseball. We see it in the NBA. I mean, this is what we see, you know, probably more so. I would say in baseball and the NFL where you get these guys that really are not qualified to be head coaches or managers and they are they're they're kind of just like learning as they go here and it and that is is not the way that the NFL used to be and like you said leader of men let's go back to Sunday all right I thought last Sunday's game was before, as we were leading up to the game, I said to myself, and I said on the air, I think this is one of the most intriguing games that I'm actually looking forward to because, you know, not because the Raiders had won two games coming into it and the Colts had won three because they both stink. We get that. But look at the situations. Both of these teams are in disarray right now. The Colts just fired Frank Reich, their longtime head coach. Jim Ursay is coming here and saying, hey, I'm going to hire my beer drinking buddy, Jeff Saturday. All right. And then the Raiders are coming off these embarrassing, humiliating losses to the Saints and the Jaguars and, and now the Colts. And you're just going, okay, what is going to transpire here? I mean, how are the Raiders going to bounce back? The Raiders were a six point favorite because people were thinking, well, the Colts are, are a mess. Well, what happened in this game is Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday, like you said, is he turns out to be a leader of men. That's why Ursay hired him. <laughs> They hired him because he could come in and say, okay, I don't have experience, you know, with this stuff, but I'm a 13 year veteran. I love this team. I love this organization. I can, I can actually motivate and I can lead you guys. And what happened? They look like the Colts team that we expected to see back in September. And the Raiders look like this team that it had mailed it in. Heck, they look like the Cleveland Browns from a few years back. Seriously. And to me, that all goes back to Jeff Saturday and to Josh McDaniel. You would think after Saturday, before he got hired, before they had fired Wright, that he on social media as a, as a member of the media rips the Raiders. The Raiders look mm-hmm. horrible. How much bulletin board yes. material yes. did McDaniel need to fire up his men this dude's talking smack about us let's hand it to him but you know what 
Jeff Saturday, a real man, took that boy to the woodshed and smacked him down in front of our beautiful home stadium that's half full with Raider fans. Mark Davis sold his soul to the devil, and the Raider Nation is paying for it. Dennis Gaxiola joins us. Uh, you have any comedy material now for Josh McDaniels? I mean, is he part of your act now? Bro, you know, I don't joke about my mama, and I joke about my Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but see, but this is good stuff, though, man. I mean, you could go ahead. I mean, I've seen you rip on 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 other, you know, uh, yeah. sports celebrities and teams and you know situations. I mean, you were all over Deflate Gate and all this other kind of stuff, deflating My- Brady's balls, all this stuff. I mean, you got to take some shots at uh, Josh McDaniels. I think he would be in your routine. That would be like a no brainer yeah. for you because you know this team inside and out. Definitely, you know who. Uh- my own son went on social media and talked. He, I thought it was a serious post, but he said he was ending a generational curse. And I'm like, man, what's he talking about? He was talking about not having my grandsons cheer for the Raiders. I said, what do you mean? He's like, nope, my dad gave this to me. I'm not putting this on my sons. <laughs> That's how bad Mark Davis is breaking legacies right now. Al is rolling over. You know, we need a code red. You nailed it, bro. We need a code red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that right. Uh, you you mentioned the crowd thing. That has been on the top of my head for ever since they moved here. And when I went into that stadium on Sunday, I was even shocked how much blue was in there. And we're talking about Colts blue. We're not talking Patriots blue. We're not talking Cowboys blue, Rams blue. We are talking Colts blue. And what I mean by that is they don't travel well. I mean, give me a break. Nope. Baltimore, Indianapolis. I mean, there's so much, you know, uh, disloyalty, you know, with that franchise and they showed out and I couldn't believe how loud it was. And, you know, and I thought, okay, Sam Ellinger, you know, for, forget this. And then when I saw Matt Ryan warming up, I go, Matt Ryan's going to play in this game. Wait a minute. Wait, this actually really might be interesting now. And then Matt Ryan looked like Steve Young. He looked like the modern-day Josh Allen. I mean, did you see the 39-yard run where he's rolling out to the right, Dennis, on, on what, third and six? And he, like, pump faked, and the Raiders stopped. The, 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 def- the linebackers stopped, and he – peruses for 39 yards. It took him about 10 minutes to get there. And then two plays later, he fires a strike, a flag football strike, as I like to call it, uh, you know, for the touchdown. The guy was untouched. That's why I say flag football. It's like, look at Matt Ryan. I mean, this. look at Matt Ryan. We all watched him, what, what is it, Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football yep. three weeks ago. It was embarrassing. Unbelievable. Nine games in, the team has quit on Josh McDaniels. Man. And and Mark's response is, I think he's doing a great job. You know, he sounds like a solid Democrat that's saying the border is secure. It's like, give me a break. You know, Al Davis, at least, if, if you could say anything about Al Davis, was that he kept it real. Yeah. You know, when um, when Tom Cable was happy that the team the team was uh, finished at eight hundred, I mean five hundred. Al Davis fired him. He said, we, that's not winning. Mark Davis is happy at two and seven and the guy's doing a great job. His dad fired a coach at 500. Okay. So and I, I'm going to say this. Uh, it'll sound like I'm taking Mark's side here, but I understand 
why you are sticking with him because you don't want the revolving door of coaches. Sure, you want to try to find the right guy, but the way these guys are hiring, these owners and general managers yeah. are hiring coaches right now, all they do, Dennis, is just take the hot coordinator from the past season, and that doesn't work. Again, McDaniels is one of those guys. It's like, doesn't mean you know you could be a quality head coach, a leader of men, just because you're a coordinator. So, Okay, so he's buying. Mark is buying into Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniel saying, and maybe they're not saying because it don't even seems like Josh McDaniel even communicates with anybody. But the the mindset is probably, well, I went through this embarrassing situation with Gruden. I want to, you know, let this thing kind of blow over. Let this guy, I guess, you know, you know, continue to cut his throat. But it's like. If I make a change, now where do I go? I don't know where else to go, and I don't want to be known as this revolving door of coaches because, okay, maybe he needs to get his own players. Okay, give the guy a year or two to get his own players because anybody else that they could bring in right now probably isn't going to make that big of a difference. So I understand. I kind of do understand where Mark is going with this because you have to let a guy kind of either prove himself, cut his own throat even further because, you know, you, you've got the people that you've signed. You've already kind yep. of got cut some people, some dead weight already. And there's going to be more of that, you know, coming, coming forward here. But I can understand why you're going to say, okay, let's, let's just, you know, I believed in this guy is really nine games enough for really, for me to, to evaluate whether this guy can coach or not. Now for fans, it is, but for Mark, I think he's just going to be, you know, uh, a little bit more patient with this thing and, and, and see what happens in year two. You know, who, who would have known that McDaniels would have this hard a time coaching? Um, uh, we had no clue unless you look at his record. This is what happened to the Broncos when they hired him. I agree. It's there. It's there. You know, no doubt. Yeah. He got rid of, but got rid of Bisaccia, um, and all Bisaccia did was win and take him to the playoffs. Bisaccia was 5-5. Five and five. Um, yeah, Now my son's giving me facts. Yeah, right. He took a horrific situation, and he led men out of a tough, tough turmoil. Right. With injury, with everything. He's a, you know, I think he's a legit, uh, he's a legit, if not a general, he's a colonel. You know, but we got we got the shoe shine boy leading team right now. <laughs> he just went from a lieutenant to a shoe shine boy. Josh Medanza, unbelievable. <laughs> According to Dennis Gaxiola. Okay, so be uh, on that. I did. We, we did. So you know, the visiting teams fans are growing, like we talked about. I mean, we saw it last year with Washington and Miami, and yeah. we 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 saw this. These teams are not any good, and but but they're showing up. But here's what I could hardly wait for now. Can you imagine if, if Colts fans are showing up like this and Bengals fans are showing up like this? What's it going to be like when the Patriots show up here on December the 18th? A great day, by the way. Uh, Patriot fans, what is that place going to look like? What is it going to look like on New Year's Day? There you go. I was, I was going next. New Year's Day with the 49er fans. Can you imagine what this building is going to look like? It is going to be downright embarrassing because there were all these Raider fans that were pointing to that game saying, oh, the rivalry, this is going to be great. Raiders are going to be battling for a playoff spot. The Niners are going to be battling for a playoff spot. Well, what we're finding out is the Niners are going to be battling for a playoff spot and the Raiders are playing for absolutely nothing. Dennis, this place could be 70% red. 
Red, gold, and rainbow flag. Yeah. The Niners are coming. <laughs> there you go. And there's hey. nothing wrong with rainbow flags, but damn it, they don't belong in a Legion Stadium. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. There it is, man. You know, my, 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 six, my 60-year-old cousin comes out the closet. He marries his lifelong boyfriend. <laughs> so he's Mexican. He marries an Irishman. And they're, you know, they're a gay couple. They're great people. But he comes out and he says he's a 49er fan. Um, and all our he said was, who the hell marries a 49er fan? <laughs> and now they're going to dance on the middle of our stadium. And it's embarrassing. Have you canceled your any upcoming trips to Vegas yet? Are you so disgusted that you've, you've canceled, forgot those tickets? Where are you at with all that? No, no, I, I'll still be coming to town. Supposed to come for the 49 against the 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 hard part about it is because of the cost of everything, it's hard to put down four or five thousand dollars for a weekend trip mm-hmm. when the team is not putting out the product. Four or five thousand dollars. I mean, where are you going, man? I mean, come on now. Well, is you it- know, if you add in the airfare and the you know and uh, you got to grab you got to grab a good steak when you're in Vegas. Well, yeah, you know. Uh, Tickets, you know, I'm talking about. Well, I was going to bring three of my sons, and we were going to go out and have a good time. Oh yeah, hard. okay, yeah. If you're three sons, I understand where you're going with that. There you go, my friend. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, come. That's a short trip. I mean, come on, Bay Area to to Vegas. I mean, that's a short trip. You book it three weeks in advance. That, 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 that's affordable yeah. for you. There it is. But those tickets, you're right. The tickets will get you, no doubt about it. And I'm standing in a parking lot right now in San Jose near where the 49ers play. Mm-hmm. And I got my Raider hat on. My sons have their Raiders hats on. We're not ashamed of the colors, but it's it's just it's really disheartening. This season was supposed to be where we were back in the main picture, um, and you know, looking not just to make the playoffs, but to make a run. And you know, we're now we're we're I'm I'm looking at draft boards already. It's the middle of the season. I know that we were talking about that earlier in the Las Vegas Review Journal. They were writing about that, like, "Hey, here here are the top quarterbacks." Uh, what's your gut feeling about Derek Carr? I hope they trade him or let him go somewhere where he can actually get the W. You know, where he can he can live out his last years without the Raider Nation noose around his neck because he's a great guy and he is a very good quarterback. Um, but my God, um, you know this this week it's so e- it's easy to make mistakes. Your wide receiver, your slot receiver is out, your tight end is out, the line is shaky. But and he doesn't, you know, it's learning a new playbook again. Um, so do we be patient and let him get that playbook down for next year? Um, I set the man free, let him go, and then the people that hated on him all these years will say, "Oh man." We got some rookie in here, and it's horrible. But at least it won't be Carr's fault. All right, so this week you got the Broncos, uh, one of the two teams that the Raiders defeated. The other one, the the only team that has a worse record than them, the Houston Texans at 1-7-1. and But you're facing those Broncos. It's in Denver. They're just as much of, of a mess as the Raiders. Uh, how do you see this one, man, from uh, you know now that you've taken off your silver and black glasses? Um, if the Raiders stick within 10 points, that'll be a win. <laughs> you don't think they're going to go into Denver and get drilled. That's what you're saying. Yeah, they're going to get their hands. You know, uh, Wilson's going to have his spark and, uh, the donkeys are going to be happy that they got their quarterback. He's going to look great. He's going to, uh, if Matt Ryan can run for 40 yards, uh, what, what, you know, what makes you think, you know, 
Hey, brother, it's been great catching up with you. I've got an emergency call coming in. i got to grab this call, but, man, I hope we see better days. You got it, brother. All right, Dennis Gaxiola, we appreciate you, my man. Take care. There he is. All right, there he is. Uh, Dry Bar Comedy. Go check all of that stuff out. Uh, Great comedy uh, specials that he has. You can find all of that online at YouTube. And, of course, uh, he's a part of the Latin Kings Comedy Tour uh, has been touring with that. Of course, he's uh, toured with Fluffy uh, as well, uh, Gabriel Iglesias. So Dennis Gaxiola, uh, great friend, great comedian, fantastic, and a passionate Raiders fan. Passionate as can be discussed. I think this is the first time, because every time we've had him on, whether it's by phone or in studio, uh, he would make me sick. With all this, you know, oh yeah, we're good. we're gonna go to the Super Bowl, we're going to the playoffs. This is the year, this is that. To to have him that frustrated, and that distraught, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was yeah, the first time he's never like I love made Raiders. excuses. Yeah, he he's he's just done. Yeah, he's done. Like a lot of fans are. Yeah, for me, man, it is. I'm really looking forward to going to those games. Seeing the Patriots and in, in the 49ers just to see what that fan base is all about. Now, their next home game, they've got three home games left. Remember that. All right. And you got the Chargers coming in. Well, yeah, Charger fans. I mean, again, they're no allegiance, no home for them, but the Chargers are ahead of the Raiders. They're competing for a playoff spot. And we remember. That game last year, that final regular season game, that Charger Raider game, just crazy, fantastic. And Justin Justin Herbert was fantastic. But uh, you got the goofball coach for the Chargers. He did it again. I don't know if you saw this, but against the, the, the Niners, he went for it on his, what, own eight-yard line? Yeah. He, he, last year he did it at the 18, at the 8. I mean, it's like, what are you doing? I mean, talk about a guy that needs to go. That's just downright atrocious. All right. Dennis Gaxiola, go find him. You want to laugh? One of the great clean comics. And what's for clean comics? Uh, two of my great friends in the, in the comedy world, Sinbad and Dennis Gaxiola. Uh, fantastic. And, uh, shout out to Sinbad too, uh, for his recovery. Uh, it's been happening now going on, you know, more than a year and a half. And hopefully, uh, he uh, can recuperate enough where he can get back and do, uh, you know, his his comedy and get back on it. Uh, been very, laying down low at home after suffering that uh, massive stroke, uh, going back oh, a year and a half or so ago. So always a uh, shout out and prayers to him. But uh, him and Dennis, uh, my two guys, no question about it. Love having them on the shows here. All right, we come back. Uh, we'll talk a little more NFL. Get ready for the weekend ahead, and we got that and a whole lot more coming your way. If you want to sound off. You can sound off too today, 702-221-7283. You want to talk Raiders, you want to talk anything NFL, 702-221-7283. We can hit that next segment as well too. What's up, y'all? This is Sinbad. You checking my boy T.C. Martin talking about what's happening.
right, don't forget we are at the Westgate on Friday. Come on out, see the show live, 2 to 4 p.m. Marco D'Angelo in the house. You never know who's going to show up at the Westgate. Barry Manilow might be rolling by, as much as we're talking about music, you know? <laughs> Jay Cordegay, John Murray, come on by. And yes, Best Bets segment on Friday. Rolling along, Trevor Maddich will be joining us as well. So, yes, our Friday home at the Westgate of Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook, the non-smoking Superbook, Nemechuk. How's your uh, quitting the, the smoking? How's that going? Decent. I, have n- Decent? I haven't had one in I'm proud long of you, man. Time. I'm good. Still just dead yeah. every once in a while. But what is this you're showing me? It's a little vape. A little vape? A little vape. I don't want vape. Make sure you vote for our guy, Jay Schrader, as well, too. All right. The uh, Raiders nominee for the 2022 Salute to Service Award. You vote at NFL.com for that. Go to NFL.com, scroll down to Salute to Service. And remember, every team has their own nominee, whether it is a current player, staff member, or an alumnus. And uh, Jay Schrader is the Raider nominee. Jay, of course, huge advocate for veterans, and his charity is the Liberty Projects, which we talk so fondly about. Shiloh Ranch, that's the headquarters right outside of Las Vegas, where Jay's commitment to supporting the military extends to his daily dealings there at the Shiloh Ranch. Uh, he helps advocate and raise money for the his charitable organization, the Liberty Projects. So go check out the libertyprojects.org. And uh, dedicated to the preservation and the well-being of our veterans and American wild mustangs. And Shiloh Ranch allows veterans an outlet to interact with horses for training, rehabilitation, and camaraderie. And uh, Jay Schrader does a fantastic job. That is his baby. And uh, very nice that the Raiders came on out uh, to the ranch as he told the story last Friday on Friday's show. And uh, said, hey, you're a nominee. So I know, obviously, the military very close to Jay's heart. So vote for Jay. That's what we do. Vote for Pedro. Vote for Jay. Did you like Pedro? You're a Pedro guy, weren't you? Yes. Yes. Napoleon Dynamite. How come they never came out with a Napoleon Dynamite 2? Well, how come there's no sequel? I don't know. That's I mean, a good question. Like, because all the sequels we saw during that time frame, you would think you'd get one of them for that, wouldn't you? But I mean, what would you really want to see in that? I, I don't know. Vote for Pedro too. Vote for exactly. somebody else. Maybe, maybe. How about a little, little, little love life going on there? A little maybe, love triangle. Maybe. Okay. You know, you know, with the the goofy brother or uncle, whoever that was. Uncle Rico. Uncle Rico. The one who threw the steak and hit Napoleon in the head. Yeah. 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 Hey, you know, you know that movie pretty good, don't you? There it is. Vote for Jay. NFL.com. Salute to service. Let's go to the phones. Fernando! Fernando the Bull, what's going on? Why are we dropping a bomb on Fernando? Or is he dropping the hey, bomb on What's up, man? Hey, I know he, he, how you like, doing, man? I'm, just, what's up? I'm doing good. Um, as I walk the mean streets of Summerlin, hey, you're talking about music? If you want to see a good show, go see Donny Osmond. It's a good show, man. He's great. You know, I, I've seen I've seen the billboards where it says Donnie's like show of the year and everything, but mm-hmm. I, and, yeah. I, and I'm not going to doubt you on that because, like I said, I I had I don't want to say I had reservations about you know Barry Manilow like okay am I really going to enjoy this and I really did so you know even though I'm not you know a big 
Donnie fan or an Osmond fan, uh, good show. I mean, what makes it a good show? Um, 60 years of music he's been performing with the family, and uh, he goes back in time. He, um, he, he does um, audience requests on the spot. Really? He's a good singer, a good dancer. Oh, yeah, and the ladies love it, man. You guys got to take your ladies to the, uh, what's the suggestion? But take your ladies to the show and they'll love it. There it is. I mean, there was a couple Osmond songs I like way back in the day in the early 70s, Mm -hmm. man. That was uh that was pretty. And I'm not talking about the slow ones. He, he had a couple jammers there. <laughs> if you yeah, wanted. he did. He yeah. did. Yeah. All but, the... all t- um, but about this NFL officiating over the weekend oh, yeah. was an F minus again. I mean, in the Philadelphia game Monday night, that was terrible. They missed the face mask. They fit, they missed the other calls and stuff like that. And and at, at the end of the game, when uh, Heineke Heineken uh, whatever his name is, yep. um, took a knee. You gotta leave him alone. I know, but it was a barely hit. I don't know if you saw in the Bears game at the end between the Lions and the Bears, Justin Fields. He got body slammed at the end of the game. Yes, nothing, nothing mm-hmm. called at all. So they have to get more consistent on these calls. And uh, I just wanted to uh, get your uh, opinion on that uh, Monday night call at the end of the game. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I meant to hit this yesterday uh, on Terrible yeah. Tuesday. Uh, I was infuriated with this thing uh, as well, too. Not only because I, I did have the Eagles in, in this. And again, <laughs> I wasn't worried about giving up 11 because I, I bet the Eagles on, on a money line. I had a money line parlay. I'm thinking just, just win the game, right? And I thought, okay, I'm gold. But that's not the reason why I'm, I'm going to rant you know, about this because you're right. It made me sick. Well, first of all, mm-hmm. back it up. It, it, what made me sick were the several uh, botch calls that the refs made in, in that game and others, but the way the Eagles just turned the ball over and, you know, there's one call in there, and I know you can't review it, but you saw the yeah. face mask, right? When when the mm-hmm. Eagles co- completed that big play and he ended up coughing up the ball, he got stripped, and they were looking at if the knee went down or not or if he was touched afterwards. Well, the bottom line was the only reason he coughed up the ball because he got a face mask. And But you can't go back and review that. So obviously the officials missed that call, and then they can't go back and say, well, we blatantly missed. I mean, it's a blatant face mask. Now, I don't know if the announcers were addressing that because I was at a restaurant watching it with no sound on, but I'm going, that that is a blatant face mask. How can you blow that in the fourth quarter, an important part of the game, and it cost the Eagles the ball, and it cost them points because Washington turned around and scored, so that infuriated me. But then, like you said, they're going to get the ball back. And then a fourth down, I mean, he's rolling out and he takes a knee. He takes mm-hmm. a knee and the two Eagle defenders, they eased up on him. They, they, they yeah. didn't like lash into him. They eased up on him. And here's what really got me going is that you see how the official threw the flag. He, he wanted to see how high he could throw in the air. I was like, I'm going to be emphatic about this. How dare you hit this quarterback? And he tried to throw it up 55 yards up in the air. How quick did you did see that? that? How quick did I hit you with a, with a text? Oh yeah, you hit it with a text Instant. right away. And I, and I, and I was irate. I almost smashed my taco. I almost smashed the yeah. taco on the plate. I was so irate. It was outrageous. I mean, they got three people on that side. You got the back judge, you got the side judge, you got the head linesman, you got the line judge, and nothing at all. I mean, I wish um, Sarah Thomas or 
Uh, Malik uh, Chaka will do in the game. They do a better job than some of those guys on the uh, field. Let's don't go there because they stink, <laughs> all right? And I'm not saying that what? just because they're women. They're no good. I mean, uh, especially Sarah. I mean, she'll sit there and she'll, like, look and, like, oh, should I throw a flag? Should I not? Or she'll throw a flag and then she'll come over and go, well, I threw this flag. Uh, was I supposed to? Do you think I did a good job? And then they turn around and say, okay, well, you threw it. And this is what gets me. Okay, only throw the flag if you're sure. How many times? Mm-hmm. How many times do we see them throw a flag and they go, "Oh, sorry, got to pick it up now." Well, I didn't mean to throw it. No, you only throw it if you're 100 percent sure. It's not like a 50 50 shot. So no, you got right. me going, man. I, I it, it's irritating. But that thing where 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 Heineken wants to just go take a knee and then someone <laughs> someone just brushes up against him. Are you kidding me? There's no malice. Yeah, that- There's no body slam. There's no three count. Come on. Let's, let's, let's put our flags on them. Let's play flag football in the quarterbacks only. You know, just grab the flag and the play's over. It'll be much easier, you know? Uh, Forget all this other stuff. But anyway, you guys have a good day and take care. Have a good evening, all right? Oh, Fernando, before you go, we got breaking news. And I know you're going to go back and listen anyway, but while you're on the line, here it is. We, we, we just got this press release. We regret to inform you that today and tomorrow's shows at Harris Las uh-huh. Vegas... November 16th Uh and 17th are canceled due to Donnie experiencing flu-like symptoms. Refunds are available at this point of purchase. We apologize for any inconvenience, and we are wishing Donnie a speedy recovery. Hope to see you at another show soon. Team Donnie, a.k.a. Fernando. He's, he's got to stop kissing the ladies in the audience. Is that, alone. is that what's going on? You've seen the show, apparently. You know what's going yeah. on. Fernando, on your ringtone, do, do you have uh, ABBA Fernando as your ringtone? I mean, if you're in the Osmonds no, fan, I think that you're in the ABBA club uh, as well, too. I got that, and I got Puppy Love by uh, Donny Osmond. <laughs> Puppy Love! Re- <laughs> All right, man. I'll let you. That was a good time to go. There it is. Have a good evening. There it is. <laughs> Donkey Shane! Puppy Love! Come on, go back to my mic. You're going to have to Google this. And they called it no, please. Puppy Love. How do I get, thank, how do I get, how do I get Country Roads and Puppy Love on my show on the same day? It's great, isn't it? How does this happen? I mean, again, we get a plethora of songs. Plethora. And then we got this Smoky crap today. Yeah. We got Smoky, Alice Tied Up in Chains, or whatever it is, My Neighbor Alice. Alice, the TV show. What was that again? Oh, my God. Look, you see Nubchuck. Nubchuck is serenading the microphone right now. He's, like, caressing them. What are you doing? It's a family show. Wait, what what was I supposed to look up? Okay, I want you to go to Osmond's. Okay, not Donnie. Osmond's songs. And I'm going to tell you my the, the song that I actually liked when I was a kid, man. Uh, now hold on, but I, I want to go back to what was the name of that stupid song we were talking about with Paul Buck Power Stewart about Alice? My does, neighbor is Alice. Alice doesn't Alice, live here anymore. My neighbor or something? Uh, no, what was it? Yes, it's my neighbor is Alice. Living next door to Alice. Living next door to yeah. Who the f is Alice? Yeah, that's that's how they, crazy horses. Yeah. Nope. Wait. Down by the lazy river. Down by the lazy river. I think that's it. Okay, there's another one. Hold on, keep okay. keep going. Let's see which is the that the one. proud one. I don't think so. Love me for a reason? No. Let me in? No. Uh, through the years? No. Having a party? 
Down by the Lazy River. Let's hit that one. There it is. Yeah, I remember that. Isn't that funny? I haven't even thought of that song in 50 years. Look at Donnie. This was a jam. See, as I said, he had a couple jams. He's got to sing this, right? I should ask Fernando if he closed with this or if he opened. This could be a good opener. Because what's he close with? Donka Shane? Here we go. Yay! Nineteen seventy-one, seventy-one, seventy-two. I'm close. I'm right in the pocket. Where's it? What, what did you say? Seventy-one or seventy-two? Yes, yeah, I know my music. Yeah, I thought June twenty-first, seventy-one. Boom, man, man, am I? I'm good. I'm gold. There it is. Mm. All right. How we got here? I have no idea. I don't know. Because it's that kind of show. It is. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, congratulations to UNLV last night uh, for their victory. Congratulations to Kevin Kruger, 60-52 to 52 over Dayton. Very impressive performance by the Rebels last night. Last night was the kind of the beginning of the college basketball season. Kansas played Duke last night as part of the – uh, the basketball classic at uh, MSG last night at Madison Square Garden. Well, actually, no, they actually they were in Indianapolis, weren't they? Yeah, they're the now they call us the Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Had fifteen thousand for that. Duke and Kansas last night. Kansas defeats Duke sixty nine to sixty four. That was a, a tight one. And then uh, before that, you had Michigan State and Kentucky. That thing went to double overtime last night. And uh, Sparty ended up uh, getting the victory, which looked like they were not going to get the victory because Kentucky was in control of that game in regulation. 86-77 the final in double OT. So, uh, yeah. So that was your doubleheader last night in uh, in Indianapolis. So, yeah, good stuff there. And you know, Dick Vitale was on the call last night. It was great to hear him. Yeah. I heard him for yeah. a co- I, I, I checked again, in for a couple minutes. And it was great. And he sounded okay. He sounds because again, I was watching that at, at a restaurant where where no sound yeah. was on. So, but I, but I saw his yeah. face on the screen. So interesting. Yeah, good. Good to have Dickie uh, V back, and hopefully he can do uh, an entire college basketball season this year. So hopefully he is all right. But uh, do you know Colgate beat Syracuse last night? I mean, that was like huge upset. Colgate. Defeated Syracuse eighty to sixty eight last night, and uh, that was in Syracuse. Do you know what they're calling that place now? It's not the Carrier Dome anymore. No, I guess you know they're not uh, you know heating people anymore. So no, it's now the JMA Wireless Dome. That's what that is. You want to hear a little bit of Dickie V? Syracuse seven and a half point favorite last night over Colgate. They got drilled. 80-68. Yeah, give me some Dickie V. And not only that, look what else we have. Look who else is here. And on behalf of everybody in the college basketball world, you've been through so much. You've dealt with so many health issues. 
it is great to have you back. Well, thank you, Dan. I want to simply say thank you to all my friends out there and all the people that sent me text messages and prayers. Starts off, obviously, with my wife, wife Lorraine, daughters, Terry, Sherry. Thank you. Great caregivers. Help me through tough times. I want to thank Jimmy Pataro and all the ESPN colleagues, Holly, Jay, you, Dan, and all the people, how great they were. Certainly want to thank, I got to thank the people at the V Foundation and the media, the fans, and the players. I got so many text messages and so many prayers that when I laid in that hospital doing that chemo, my family would leave and I would get a little depressed and I'd be down and thinking about, oh man, I wasn't thinking basketball. You have some unbelievable thoughts, but I was hurt. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And that is why I'm sitting next to you. And I know you're excited to talk some basketball and I know you're excited to see both of these teams. Let's talk Kentucky. Well, Kentucky to me, I think they're as talented as a team is in the country. When you look at Kentucky, it starts with Deshebwe. He's a dynamite post player. They got a great penetrator and a quick kid in Wheeler. Now Dick Vital breaking it down, talking about Kentucky, Shebwe. Yeah, that that that's cool. And he does. Now, obviously, he doesn't sound like the same Dick Vital. We know that he's had you know throat problems, voice problems, and uh, you know his schedule really lightened up a lot. But you know, you know going through the cancer treatment and everything. Uh, you know, there were some people out there that thought that he already passed. Yeah. They thought that, you know, I heard that, you know, last night they're going, Oh, Dickie V, I thought, I thought he was dead. I mean, no, that's terrible, but it, it's true because remember when he was battling through that last year, but, uh, you're right. Hey, um, you know, when he does, uh, pass, that'll be a, a very, very, very sad day. So yeah, we turned the page and, you know, we, we're, we're into college basketball now, uh, one of our favorite times of, of year. And, uh, we, you know, looking forward to a great college basketball season. Our college basketball guests will be joining us. You know, Pete Gillen, Steve Lapis, uh, Tim Brando. Pete, uh, Pete's still alive, know. right? Pete. No, don't do that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Just yes. making sure. Yeah. Yeah. Rex Chapman. Rex Chapman tried to kill him off. Remember that last year? God. And then, and we had Pete on yep. the show the very next day. Oh, yeah. You know, Pete, I think I met, I think I told you about this. Pete was calling me and messaging me when I was on the road with the Aces. Just wanting to get in. Just wanting to get in. Yeah. Just say, hey, man, I just, you know, uh, I'm watching the WNBA. I'm watching this Aces run. I said, man, thanks, Pete. I appreciate the support and everything. And that's, you know, that's a fellow broadcaster, you know, you know, looking out for another fellow broadcaster. Pete's a good friend. I mean, it's, you know, I love that guy. And, uh, you know, people love hearing him on the show too, because again, like most of our guests, you you never know which direction that it's going to go with Pete Gillen. So yes, so starting next week, Pete Gillen will be back with us, join the show, and of course, he's working for CBS and he's traveling all around the globe, and hopefully, he can get out here and do some Mount West games as well too. So yes, Pete Gillen will be joined to start next week. All right. Speaking of CBS guys, announcers join us. Uh, the coach joins us tomorrow. What a lineup we got tomorrow. Get ready for tomorrow's show. Houston Nets going to join us. You know what that means? We'll be talking some college football, college football playoff rankings, the matchups this week. Houston does a fantastic job with CBS and some barbecue because we cannot have a show go by without Houston Nut talking about some Killens barbecue down there in Texas, right? So he joins us tomorrow. Darren Baker is going to join us, Dusty's son. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, be the first uh, chance I think a lot 
of our our audience will be able to hear from Darren Baker. Uh, we're going to go back, and people remember when Darren was three and a half years old, J.T. Snow picks him up. Well, Darren is now uh, working his way into the major leagues. He was in the Futures game last summer at Dodger Stadium, and uh, Darren's with the Washington Nationals organization, so got a chance to spend some time with Darren during the course of this playoff run. Again, kid that I've known for a long, long time, so you're going to hear from him tomorrow. He'll be on the show tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Scott Spritzer joins us tomorrow as well, too, so we look forward to that. And, uh, of course, our Westgate crew, Trevor Maddich, a whole lot more uh, coming your way. All right, if you miss any part of the show, go to the website, check it all out, tcmartinshow.com. Our Raiders recap is still up there. Interviews up there, the current interviews, the classic interviews, all there. want to thank Kevin Kruger for joining us today, Paul Buck Power Stewart as well, too, and our comedian, Dennis Gaxiola as well. So don't forget all of that and a whole lot more up on the website coming your way. And don't forget the podcasts, all right? Wherever you can find your podcast, T.C. Martin Show is up there, everywhere. So go to the website, tcmartinshow.com, but wherever you get your podcasts, listen to the past shows and the interview, all that stuff up there, anytime, anywhere, where you get your podcasts. For Numchuck, T.C. saying so long, we're back at it again tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Another jam-packed show previewing the weekend ahead with college football and the NFL. Have a good one. Enjoy your night tonight. We'll see you tomorrow at 2. <laughs>